Let's watch a Disney Channel podcast. Hey, we're gonna watch a Disney Channel podcast. Let's watch a Disney Channel podcast. Do, 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 do. Well done. I've heard that one before, though. Yes. I think I've used that one in a different context before, but when, it felt appropriate to bring it back. Like, Disney Desk 1.0 had, when, when we did the DCOM episode in our the old iteration of the Disney Desk, you did that intro. Yes, um, which I think was the biggest inspiration for us doing this. Right. It's a solid intro. Um, not mad at right. it. Right. So, well done. It's weirdly more topical now because of the whole... You're familiar with Defunct... You've seen Defunct Land, That's like right? one of my favorite YouTube channels, yeah. They did They did who, an incredible yeah. like breakdown of the Disney Channel and who the hell came up Bro. with the do-do-do. Yeah. Do. <laughs> I love Kevin Berger. Shout out to Kevin Berger, the creator of... Like, talking... I mean, I hope that we, like, in some version of reality, get to work with him one day or, like, interview him here or something because I love his work so much. He is genuinely a wonderful documentarian. Is that the word? Yes. Okay. <laughs> he does his homework. He, yeah. He, he achieves what we aspire to do on a much smaller level. Exactly. I was going to probably link that specific episode in one of these just to be like, hey, if you want more supplemental research material yeah. for the history of the Disney Channel, they kind of cover this all the big stuff. This is a good stuff. one. And his stuff is funny, too. Like, it's not like, it's not just straight laced document. Yeah, yes. he's very entertaining. Yeah. So, anyway, shout out to Defunct A good Land documentary TV. tells a story. Exactly. Yeah. Welcome to the Disney Desk, everyone. I'm Carter. And I'm Sydney. And as Disney Channel Month rolls on, it is time for the main event. Yes, this is the big one. I think we've described it as, well, this is the big one. This is the big one. This is the event within the event that is Disney Channel Month. Today, we are talking about High School Musical. Not just one. High School Musical. Not just two, but all three. Aren't you in luck? Yes. Aren't we the most benevolent Aren't podcast we? hosts? Ain't that just the way, you know? We, we really are. We are so good to our audience. Like, they are so lucky that they get to listen to this podcast instead of other podcasts, <laughs> where they get to right. hear us talk... <laughs> about high school musical um we yes we felt that that these films deserve their own event which is what we're going to discuss here today about the prevalence of high school musical which i can very seriously unironically and like let me know if you agree i i unironically would label this a cultural phenomenon <laughs> Like, this is oh, more than a, a made-for-TV movie. Like, this this is a culture shift. Yeah, no, no. This wasn't just a fad. This wasn't just, like... This wasn't just, like, a blip, weird pop culture blip mm -hmm. in history. This was a multi-year thing. I mean, a part of how we structured Disney Channel Month was we did the live-action shows, we did the cartoons, and, like, in theory, we were going to do the Disney Channel movies, but... For our thesis statement of this, covering our nostalgia of the Disney Channel, like, there is one Disney Channel movie. Like, there, like <laughs> yes. we've been basically alive for the entirety of Disney Channel movies because the branding started in 97. Mm. But, like, 
none were as big as this, none were as important as this, and none fundamentally changed the landscape of what came after than High School Musical. That is correct, yeah. I mean, this, like you said, for for them to only have invented the quote-unquote decom in 97, like, this would give real life and definition to not just the idea of decoms, but, like, what Disney Channel actually was (laughs) um and we've talked about this before about disney channel uh, disney being this like star machine cranking out these people but right i like that that really got extra juice with high school musical (laughs) like there's just so many like company standards that really begin here right i would argue it doesn't like it doesn't just affect how disney channel movies are made it affects how all of disney channel's televised content is made absolutely i'd argue at least a little bit of it seeps into like the films and the part like mm-hmm. like this it, it is it is a moment it is there's a reason why at any like there's a reason why disney 100 has a prominent display of high school right? musical stuff yeah that like, I don't, and again, when we saw that, I was, I don't know why I was surprised to see that, <laughs> but, and now that, now that we've spent time reviewing these films again, which I have to be honest, it's been a really long time since I've sat down to watch any of these, and we'll mm-hmm. talk about our personal history with these films later, um, but watching this again, I'm like, oh, duh, like, why did I ever forget what this was about, like, what the gig was here, this is, this is the moment, <laughs> Yeah, it, like, we're getting just far enough out from it. Like, we're closing in on, what, about seven years, over seven years now, because it came out in January. Like, I feel like we are just finally reaching that point where it's, like, where a cultural moment kind of gets lost. Where, like, was that that big a deal? Yeah. Was that that huge? Mm -hmm. And as I sit and look over everything, I'm like, no, no. This was, Mm -hmm. like, forget Twilight, forget Hunger Games, forget... I mean, like, honestly, I would argue in some ways it matches Harry Potter. Yeah, I'd agree. Like, like in terms of, like, things that are etched into, like, if you were writing a story about, like, 90s, early 2000s kids, this is one of the prominent chapters. Yeah. Agreed. (sighs) Anyway, thanks for listening. (laughs) That's... (laughs) Yep. Have a magical day. We we got a lot of ground to cover. But before we begin... It's time for a quick internet minute. Cue the horns. All right. Uh, I'm bringing a pretty simple one this week. Um, I will say I spent a lot of time focusing on high school musicals, so I wanted to keep it simple. Um, today, just dropped the trailer for a new film called Nimona. Um, I've talked about this with you, right? That doesn't sound familiar. It's pro- it's relevant to our discussion of Disney Desk because it was originally a Disney film. So before um, uh, before Fox was bought by Disney, their animation wing, Blue Sky Studios, who you might know, they did Ice Age prominently. They did the Peanuts movie, which is probably their magnum opus for me. Mm. Um, they did Spies in Disguise, which was kind of released under Disney. And that's like when the buyout was happening. Um, you know, they had they had a, a Rio. Yeah. You know, they had a pretty successful animated run, like. Unfortunately, they were given the axe as sort of a appeasement to the shareholders during COVID sort of thing. Mm. 
um, which I'm still pretty outraged about because it's become so clear. It's like, none of that needed to happen. You didn't need to fire anyone. No. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I anyway. miss Blue Sky as their own entity. I wish that it still existed. Right? Not only because it was nice to have an animation studio in the Northeast, but like, mm. yeah, it's healthier when there are more prominent animation right. studios, like big players in the game. Um, anywho, as they were getting closed down, their final film, Nimona, was um, very close to completion. It is based off a very popular comic graphic novel by Nate Stevenson. Of um, uh, he wrote, or er, he was the main creative on Shira, oh, like the reboot. Interesting. Um, yes. Anyway, so uh, Nimona was like his first big, like pop, like mainstream hit. It's about it's like a fantasy world of heroes and villains. We follow, like, the biggest, baddest villain of the bunch, you know, wrongfully, like, cast out of society. And he teams up with Nimona, who's a shape-shifting little gremlin. <laughs> um, she, well, they're nominally a girl, but in reality, they're this shape-shifting thing mm-hmm. whose mysterious past gets figured out as the series goes on. Um, they final so Netflix bought the rights to this movie, and it is finally being released in June. And the trailer finally dropped, and I'm going to say, I don't... I don't know if it's what I expected, but I'm very excited with the direction they're going. Um, hmm. Can you this very spell much that for me? This... How do you spell it? I'm having trouble like thinking about um, it. N-I-M-O-N-A. Because for whatever reason, my brain yeah. keeps hearing you okay. say... It's spelled phonetic. It's, it's phonetic. Okay. For whatever reason, I'm hearing the word pneumonia in my mind. Oh, no. That's, that's, if you have that, that's a different... Yeah, oh, God. don't have okay. that. Okay, I know we said we gotta get through this quick, but do you remember from the Amanda show, The Sick Pops? It was like a skit where it's like, you take this popsicle and you get sick. Oh. I got chicken pox. I got pneumonia. And I'm like, dude, if you got pneumonia, you need to go to a hospital. Yeah. Like, that's not a day off from school. That's like, you have to go to a hospital. Like, that's like I a serious... That. Like, you're... I love but that But I show. digress. <laughs> I love that we're taking time to talk about the Amanda show. Right now, know. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Folks, mm, um, we, we're very hyper today. Oh, folks, yeah. We're, we're high on, on the High School Musical train right now. Yes. But I just sent you the link to the trailer. Okay. Um, it is, yeah. Like, you know, Blue Sky was hyping this up. This, like, they talked a lot about this Ooh. was their attempt to, like, experiment with animation. This was their attempt to do a Spider-Verse-esque reinventing of what CGI looks like. And their approach is this, like, really weird punk rock arts and crafts thing. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of cutouts. There's a lot of scribbles. Um, the intro, like, the beginning of the trailer is literally just, like, a, like, newspaper cutout thing. Mm-hmm. And... I can't say that's what I imagined Nimona would look like, but I really, really like it. And I like that they're leaning into the idea that Nimona as a character is fucking crazy. Um, <laughs> like, the series is about them becoming a better person and having more empathy. But, like, their first mission together in the comics, she kills, like, five people. Like, straight oh. up on, like, on the page, just straight up shapeshifts into different animals and mauls them. And you're like, whoa, whoa. And that's the first moment where you're like, oh, this this has got some teeth to it. Oh, God. Um, it looks cool just from the screenshot like, that I'm seeing. Like, I'm seeing the oh, Spider-Verse yeah. um, influence here. Yeah. And I like, like, I like that they're leaning into, like, like, and every single image they show has Nimona making some kind of demonic grin. And I'm like, I like that they're leaning <laughs> into this, like, it reminds me of, like, the beginning of, like, Damian Wayne, like, the best stuff with Damian Wayne in the Batman comics where it's like, yeah, uh, sort of jaded older superhero has to manage this psychotic, murderous child. I'm like, that's a fun energy. 
more stuff like that. Please. Right. And I don't know. I'm just excited because I, like, uh, one of my biggest gripes with Disney, and, like, again, I know we're sometimes homers, but we like to call Disney yeah. when they fuck things up. And the death of Blue Sky Studios, and especially dumping this film, which looked like a nice change of pace for them, was a fuck up. And, like, as non-Disney stuff succeeds, I'm happy because that means right. it will motivate Disney to be better about these kinds of things. You know, um, on a, a I mean, side note on that, like, what was the point of taking Fox if we weren't prepared to, like, lean into the edgy shit? Do you know what I mean? Um, well, it gets you the X-Men character. Like, it just gets you silos. It gets you more silos. You have Alien, you get Predator, you get... Basically, anything you didn't get with Lucasfilm. But it's just Fox, not fair. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Well, like, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I'd like to fix it too, Sydney, but that would take congressional action. And right now, no, I'm not getting into Diane Feinstein on the, yeah, don't uh, do the that. fucking high school musical episode. Yeah. Yeah, but like, yeah, that's the point. These people are not particularly interested in grappling with monopolies. Ugh. Like, if they were, Warner Brothers would be a healthy studio right now and not a corpse. Oh, God. But, yeah, it's it's also because, the, um, like, the Nimona comic is pretty heavily leaning into LGBTQ themes. Our main villain is a gay man. Like, our main protagonist is a gay man. Um, Nimona, like, it, there's obviously a lot of, like, themes of, like, transgenderism and, like, mm -hmm. post-gender binary with their character. And, like, the fact that Blue Sky Studio in this film in particular got axed Pretty soon, like, pretty close to when um, Chepik was going to just shove both his feet so deep down his throat they came out the other end about <laughs> okay. the whole um, don't say gay bill. Mm -hmm. it, it just was a ter like a really messy confluence of events. And it's, again, I'm very happy this is finally seeing the light of day. Right. Well, that's exciting then. I'm, I definitely am going to look out for that. All right. Hit me with yours. Okay. Today for Internet Minute, like, listen, for the last, like, few weeks to a month or so, I have been just, like, collecting memes and, and like, anything that, that strikes me as remotely funny, any, anything that so much as makes me, like, do the thing where you just kind of, like, push air out of your nostrils as, in, as a laugh, yeah, like what you just did, um, I've just been, like, screenshot it and save it, um, and so instead of, like, one big topping po talking point today, I'm just going to share with you some of the funniest things that I've collected or things that have we, at least been mildly funny to me. That's where I'm at today, okay? We will put these on um, yeah. the Disney Desk Instagram. Yeah, I'll show these on Insta so that we can all laugh. Um, all right, hit me. <laughs> okay. Um, and now, now that I'm going through my pictures, I'm like, oh, wow, I've saved so many of these that I think are funny. Okay. Um, I'm going to forward this one to you. Okay. So this one is, I think it's from Twitter. It says, I still, I've seen this one. you've seen this one. Okay. <laughs> it's yes. like, it says, I still think about this. It is a screenshot from Tarzan at the end of the film, <laughs> uh, where Tarzan, Jane, and the professor, I think his name, what are they calling him the professor? I forget his name. Her, like, grandfatherly figure. They're swinging My from... My opinions on this film have been well recorded. They're... <laughs> Why would I know the character names? They're <laughs> swinging from vines together. And he's... Tarzan is, like, carrying Jane in both hands. 
like, so the picture highlights, like, that his hands are being used to carry Jane. So how is he, like, holding on to the vine? And someone, like, made a sketch of the back of this image, which is just the vine being, like, clenched between his butt cheeks somehow. Mm-hmm. Look, some say apes are more evolved than us, Sydney. <laughs> if, if, did we not learn from Guardians 3 that, like, all animals have a deep, rich well of intelligence that we could learn from? Yeah. Not us. Um, okay, that's the first one. I will be sharing these on Instagram. Um, the second one comes from at Twitter user uh, at Mr. Medina. His name's Alex Medina, and it says, When they rhymed bare necessities with a bear can rest at ease, they snapped. (laughs) And the comments say, absolute banger of a song. Baloo was in the pocket, LMAO. Zero crumbs left behind. Yeah, I feel like we kind of lightly touched on the song when we did our music episode. I think this was the one that you said that you would do karaoke on. Honestly, yeah, that one has some, like, fire one lines, uh, bare necessities. Yeah, I mean, look, again, he, like, Blue's, like, Blue was one of the few actually successful SoundCloud rappers under yeah. the name uh, Paw, rapper DJ Pawpaws. Exactly. Um, He's one of the first, like, socialist, anti-capitalist uh, rappers <laughs> on on the game, honestly. Yeah, he just likes vibing. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, work, not for me. I lay around. Yeah, I mean... Rapper, other rappers have tried to start, like, like wars with him. Like, they've tried to, right. like, start beef. They can't. They just can't. They can't they, even look him in the eyes. They can't because he's always they napping when they want to talk to him. And, like, they have at least some honor. Okay. There's one more, I think. No, I think there's two more. There's two more and I'm done. Um, I cannot <laughs> believe all of this is going to be on a single the episode. Musical yep, episode. I it. We are literally children who were given the large soda <laughs> at the movie theater. Yeah, and the Skittles. Yep, like like, the like always. Amount of soda. That that's us. That's how we go to the movies. Um, okay, um, the discussing film Twitter like made a post about the Disney Hulu like. It's already. I don't. I can't call it a merger because they're already on. But anyway, a platform combining Hulu right. and Disney Plus will launch by the end of twenty twenty three, and at Ziara Star says she quote tweeted it and says, and when it's called Delulu Plus, then what? <laughs> I'm like, I've heard worse. No, Nintendo <laughs> literally named a console the Wii U. Like, we are. We are. Like, and they learned their lesson from that. That's for sure. Yeah, I guess they did. <laughs> Okay, wait. Whatever the, after the Switch, Super Switch, Switch 2. Switch it up, baby, yeah. Switchy Maru. Okay, here's the last one. Um, Another one that I'll have to, like, forward to you for review. Okay, this one is from a user. No, okay, so it's a quote tweet. So the original tweet says, what's one conspiracy you 100% believe is true? And this one from someone whose page is named Jason Carvey, fan club president, says the Trump robot in the Disney's Hall of Presidents was 100% a Hillary animatronic. They had to ready, they they had ready to go uh, that they rush jobbed into Trump when he actually won. And honestly, I, when you look at this thing in the eyes, I might actually believe that too. Well, yeah. Well, I imagine basically they've had a Hillary ready to go since the 90s. Yeah. I oh my god. 
That would be so funny if in 2008, when originally she was the favorite to win the primary before um, Obama put his name in, that would be so funny if they're like, we can't, we, we can't what are we going to do? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> uh, just pay the money for a new right. animatronic. We're not, no. no we no. will not do that. Yeah, this one, yeah. honestly. And then they've just been, someday, we will, someday, this will get you. Right. <laughs> okay. And the poor craftsman who spent year, like, spent all that time, like, after Bill's presidency is over, where it's like, well, Hillary will run someday. Yeah. We should just have this. Watching his magnum opus get mutated into this. Exactly. <laughs> okay, I, that that's all I got for today. You're all welcome. I hope you got a, a chuckle out of that. <laughs> Jesus Christmas. What are we doing, man? We're doing great. By the way, we're, let's Yeah, we're we're slow. We we're we're celebrating. We just hit a thousand listens, everybody. Oh my god, I literally meant to make a note about this. Yes, as you're listening to this episode, we are officially over a thousand views as a podcast. Woo! Yeah. So So we're celebrating with high school musical and all of the memes that we can handle today, okay? Like this is our party. Sincerely, thank you all. Yes, truly. Thank you all for being a part of this journey. Um, we have been working so hard. You know, Carter, thank thank you. As my co-host and partner in this, like, you've worked so hard. I mean, I know that we both have, but, like, thank you for for your work on this thing and for being my best friend. Dude, honestly, you put in, I, I, like, it's your dry, like, you made this. Like, this was your vision for the podcast. Like, you're the motivating factor here. And, like, yeah, I'm lucky to have a friend I want to do this for yeah. over half a year and a thousand views. Exactly. Yeah, I'm satisfied. Like, if, is for as much work and for as, as much as we dream about what our show could be, like, I would be content forever if it was just something that we got to do together. <laughs> like, if that's the most we ever got was... out of it, is that we spent time together and we did this, that's so. That's enough. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, when it's a random Thursday and you're worn down and you're a little jaded starting the day, yeah. to wake up and get to look at stupid-ass memes with your best <laughs> yes. friend cackling knowing that someone's going to hear these mad ravings yeah. it, it makes it worth it absolutely you're like oh this is what it was all about exactly all right should we return to <laughs> to to what we came here to do today <laughs> i can't run from it forever and now back to your regular scheduled programming so Yes, as we mentioned before, today, you know, the focus is on High School Musical, but really, we want to kind of sandwich this in between a conversation ab about the nature of DCOMs, what they were before High School Musical, and what they all became after. So, you know, you you said something really interesting before we started recording of, like, was there something as prevalent before High School Musical, there there wasn't, but, like, if there was something close, what what could that have, have been? I feel like I kind of have an idea of what that may have been. 
Yeah, there's like one or two, like going through the pre-high school musical sort of existence of these. Mm -hmm. There are like one or two that feel like they were pretty huge for our generation and like also spawned more than just a film. Yeah, my my thoughts on that, I mean, there are great ones, but the one I actually think may have come close in terms of popularity and that they did sequels on would be the Halloween Town series. Yes. I was going to say either that or Xenon Girl of the 21st Century. Xenon, which, yeah. You want to know something crazy? What? I still have never watched. Xenon, really? I was a Halloween Town kid. They're interesting. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're, but it's always interesting to, to see the past, like their understanding of what the future may have been their imagining of the future. Um, The only thing that they got right about what the future was was that the Earth would be uninhabitable. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) it is amazing. 99% of, like, speculative fiction somehow gets us to that point. Right, exactly. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but, see, their advantage is they're like, yeah, but governments will run the space program, so we'll get up there fast, when reality are space programs now run by a apartheid emerald mind owner who can't help but blow up everything he touches exactly yeah but um yeah it's interesting like because both of them spawned a lot of sequels both of them were like pretty regular plays which for halloween town is impressive considering it is a seasonal like yeah seasonal going through the old um going through the old um uh decoms it's weird how like seasonal so many of them are there's so many that are either like very holiday christmasy centric Mm -hmm. or wintry um the ultimate christmas present is one of my favorites oh that's Um, a good one yeah halloween town is obviously halloween but there's like a lot of horror ones there's under wraps which is about a mummy it's insane that that's the first official decom uh yeah like is a halloween movie about a mummy remember wasn't there one like Mom's at a date with a vampire. I have a lot of memories of that. I was going to bring that one up. In the scenario where we were literally going to go through all of them again, Mom's got a date with a vampire might have been in my top five most watched. Really? Um, I was always charmed by it, mostly because it's these precocious kids against a very, like, straight-faced vampire. Like, he's not played for laughs at all. He's played very straight-faced. No, yeah. And at some point, he literally goes... What is happening here? I'm an adult. I'm a <laughs> I vampire. You're all children. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like why? Like what is? What are your shenanigans right now? Right. Um, you know, I feel like get for like. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like across the board, I feel like the Paramount like Nickelodeon films may have been just slightly more popular prior to High School Musical. Because I'm thinking, like, along the lines of Good Burger and uh, Max Keeble's Big Move. Things like that. That were, that I remember being, like, kind of huge at the, like, sort of being a little more, like, universally loved before High School Musical kind of, like, took the reins of, like, made-for-TV children's films. Well, see, it's interesting because Max Keeble, which is a film that I have so many scarring, vivid imagery images in my brain, <laughs> and I have, and obviously Good Burger, we will do a Good Burger episode. Yeah, someday. we must. When we inevitably do an all-Nick month or something, yeah. that will be my contribution. Mm-hmm. Heck, I might just do it in my birthday month. We'll see. But mm. 
Yeah, like, those were actual, like, film films. Those were in theaters. Oh, they were? Roger Ebert gave a review. Oh, Max yeah. Kegel? Roger Ebert gave a review. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, even remember that. Yeah, it was that. very advertised. Um, yeah, and Roger Ebert gave a great review of Good Burger where him and uh, Siskel got in a heated debate about whether or not um, Kel, like, Kel was actually an idiot or not. Because Ebert's whole argument was, like, well, if he saves the day and solves the problem, he can't be an idiot. He clearly right. had some kind of logic to get there. Exactly. And that's kind of the whole point of the movie, where it's like, no, you know, Kel's not, Ed's not an idiot. He just thinks differently than other people. Right. You know... Like, his logic for blowing up the restaurant is actually kind of sound. Again, like, this is what we were talking about in the last episode about Nickelodeon being like, what if we copy and paste adult programming? Like, this is Wayne's World for like take right. take your exactly. best snl skit and like take them on an adventure and see what happens and even max keeble follows more in the footsteps of nickelodeon where it's like haha gross yeah yeah like so much Food that movie is <laughs> revolting yeah um <laughs> peeing on a copy of jane hair oh my god i forgot so many details about think, that film I, I was trying to think of I was trying to think of a more how to escalate from fart on your cat, and somehow that's what I got. <laughs> Great. Honestly, it's not that far-fetched. <laughs> but anyway, well, honestly, like, like, as we're talking about, like, parallels and, like, what inspires what, I feel like what inspires a lot, like, I feel like even Stevens, in a lot of ways, is the blueprint, not necessarily for content, but in terms of just tone and, like, texture and, yeah, like, it really does feel like it takes from Lizzie McGuire, even Stevens era, like all of mm-hmm. these for the most part, take from that era where it's like sort of high concept comedy. Like it's very sitcom comedy, mm-hmm. like very heightened performances, like with like slightly more expensive than you would think production design. Right. Yeah. And you like so much of the humor is these little like set up payoffs that feel like very old school comedy. Exactly. No, I, I completely agree. So like prior to of, of the films prior to High School Musical, what and you, you kind of talked about this with um, the mummy or the vampire film. What was that probably your most like if you could pick like two of your most watched or ones that you looked forward to the most? Hmm. What do you think yours would I be? Mean, if I were going to pick. It would probably be Smart House and Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire, which I do think really capture what the high, pre-high school musical era was. Again, like, high con- like basically like a sitcom, what if this mm-hmm. had this? Whoa. Whoa. Comedy ensues. Yeah. Um, and then, like, single camera, you know, it, like, slightly better, like, camera work than a single camera sitcom. Like, literally just taking one of their single-camera sitcoms and just giving it, like, 10% more. Yeah. Like, we can do more effects. We can do more setups. We can have more sets. We can do shots on location. Right. Like, they are kind of the perfect embodiment of, like, a TV movie Mm -hmm. in terms of, like, oh, yes, this is TV, Mm -hmm. but with a little extra. Right, right, right. I think for me, um, I don't know why I was so attached to the movie The 13th Year, but... Because, especially because I was very much, like, a girl's girl. Like, I was very girly girl. So it's, like, I, in no other areas of my life would I have been drawn to, like, a a boy lead, a boy-led film in that way. Where, like, mm-hmm. the conversation around that lead character does seem a little more, like, boy, you know, um, focused. 
but it is about mermaids. So I guess I was like on board with that. Um, but for whatever reason, I like really loved that movie a lot. Um, to me, that seemed really high concept for a, for a made for TV film that they were willing to do so much with like water and, um, right. Prosthetics. It's a pain in the ass to shoot. Yeah. There's so much insurance you've got to cover before you even get to the actual filming part. Exactly. And and you and I have talked about um, at the end of that film where they're just like, oh, you're a mermaid now. Goodbye. I know we adopted you, but yes. like, I guess if you want to go live in the ocean, you're welcome to. Now that you're, now that you're the big age of 13. Like, all right, you're yeah, on your own. I, <laughs> I don't want to say too much because there is a chance that ends up getting voted our Patreon's choice for our one DCOM Diaries episode right. this month. But like... Yeah, I just imagine uh, child services coming and being like, hey, so um, your kid hasn't, hasn't been, been in school yeah. for the past month. Um, also, they seem to be gone. There's no evidence they're here anymore. Yeah. Uh, what did you do with the body? And we, yeah, we noticed on your taxes, you're still claiming a dependent. Um... <laughs> I love that. They're still feeding <laughs> the IRS. So <laughs> we're going to need to like conduct a couple interviews. <laughs> Yeah, like taxes come first, and then the fact that you might have murdered this child right. into the body um, is second. Exactly. Yeah, and like, like that's a great example of like, okay, you wouldn't in a like in a unless it was like a very big sitcom, expensive sitcom, you wouldn't be doing all those mermaid effects every single episode. Exactly. But you can do that for like eighty-ish minutes of TV film. Yeah. Like Smart House. You're like, okay, it would actually be too expensive in 1999 to have this much, like, digital effects right, and CGI exactly. and green screening for a sitcom, probably. But, like, you can pass it, like, and I do think, and that's, like, scaled up. Like, every year when, like, it gets a little less expensive to do these things in a television format, you think of something slightly bigger to put in your film. Right. If that makes sense. No, I get you. Um, and that's also another thing you mentioned, like, the boy-girl of it. It is, like, interesting how many of them feel like... And there's a lot of, like, front all the family ones. Right. But there are a lot that really do feel like, this is a girl one. This, this is, is a guy boy one. one. Yeah. This is a girl one. Yeah. So many of them are centered around individual sports gimmicks, like soapbox racing. Um, yeah. Uh, what are some other ones? Like... Yeah, there's uh, a lot of sport uh, ones. Like a motocross All of one the or... Johnny Capahalas, like... Yeah, motocrossed. <laughs> Yeah, and that's like, and that's an element to this, right? Yeah. Like, that, like, I, that's the one of the few things they carry over to High School Musical, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait a minute. And then, Do like, you remember a film, I think this was a DCOM, called My Date with the President's Daughter? Uh, <laughs> yes. Was it a DCOM, though? I, or was it considered Or was it just shown on else? Disney Channel a lot? Again, another seasonally shown one. This was like a President's Day memorial day show for them i don't know yes, whether it was a it decom. was well it was abc so it is oh Disney. okay it was in the 90s that doesn't feel right i just remember it being on disney channel a lot like and me really liking it actually <laughs> i just like the song yeah there was a theme song for it why did they do that i don't know but it's a very specific yeah. topic to write a song about so <laughs> Like, which came first? But, yeah, like, looking over this pre, um, 
like looking over this, I'm just trying to find the threads that lead us to High School Musical, and it's like, okay, well, sports, obviously. There's weird, like, again, so many of these are still, like, again, sitcom teenage drama stuff. Yeah. So much of these are, like, you know, we have the tropes from Disney Channel brought over. There's always an annoying sibling. Mm -hmm. There's always, like, worrying, you know, you know, if it's boys, it's a sports problem or fitting in problem. With girls, it's a fashion or fitting in problem. Yeah. Like, we don't really get music involved until the Cheetah Girls, which is the one other one of these, like, sort of silos or things mm-hmm. that kind of fits in with, like, another one that could have been as big as High School Musical, maybe, if it just hit at the right moment. Right. And I'm trying to place this on the timeline. Was Cheetah Girls bef- before or after? I, I I remember it being... 2003. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it does feel like there's a like there's a reasonable through line you can make yeah. of like, oh, well, Cheetah Girls went well, so that probably convinced them. Yeah. That and Stuck in the Suburbs came out just before, and those are the two oh. that had like a stronger musical element. Yeah. So I have to imagine that was suburbs. like, okay. Yes, that is actually one of my favorites. Yeah. The one disadvantage to mainly focusing on high school musical in this is like these there's a lot of fun ones. There are. About, but like Yes. Well, like it's interesting because the one bit of history I was able to garner from all this is a part of why they were motivated to do a full musical Disney Channel movie is because even Stevens and That's a Raven both did a musical episode, which ended up being considered, like, you know, got very high ratings and were highly regarded. So it's like, well, doesn't it just make sense to take that and put it into a Disney Channel movie? Right. And a lot of ways stuck in the suburbs and... Cheetah Girls feel like a proof of concept of that. Yeah. Both of them were pretty popular. Exactly. Like, Cheetah Girls in particular had huge a... ratings compared to everything else that came out. Right. That year. I was a huge Cheetah Girls fan. Um, so, so as we're moving along on the timeline, let's inch into High School Musical very lightly. The, the first thing that we need to get out of the way of, like, let's talk about our memories of this and what our relationship to High School Musical was... Right. I think you should go first, okay. because I know you have a very okay. strong existence with this movie. Mine is more boring and predictable as a mm-hmm. guy. Okay. I, anyone who has known me personally for the majority of my life can testify to the fact that High School Musical was probably the single most prevalent obsession of my youth. <laughs> um <laughs> It, uh, to say that I was obsessed is an understatement. Um, it, it was my identity. It was like, it, it was my everything. It was like, that's why even answering the question of like, what was my most watched decom? Like, because it was High School Musical. Um, I, I can't even stress that enough. Like, school year comes around best believe that I had like a high school musical I had all the folders I had the binders I had the pencils the pens the pencil case like I was thoroughly and deeply obsessed with high school musical and actually like no lie to you I I fully credit like when we say that that Disney Channel helped sort of shape us as people I credit high school musical with being like the driving force for the trajectory of my career as a creative person. Um, really? Because it was, I, High School Musical for me was probably one of the first times, if not the first time, I was hyper aware 
of of that the fact that I was seeing actors on TV doing a job. And the first time in my life where I was oh, like, I want that job. Like, so it wasn't like my obsession was partly that I enjoyed the film, but partly that like I this was like aspirational. I wanted to be like one of the actors more so than I it was like sort of placing myself in this fantasy of this film. Like I because Disney Channel was very good at at like delivering a bunch of really fun behind the scenes content. Like they really leaned into the making of these films and like interviews with these mm-hmm. actors and things like that. They really introduced these people to us. Um and so I I can absolutely credit High School Musical with being why one of the reasons that I would follow a career path in the arts and stick with it forever. Um, like, it, it, it all, for me, stems back to this movie. Um, you want to talk about, like, embarrassing first email? <laughs> um my first email... I am so fucking scared about what you're about to say to me. <laughs> my, my first email... I know we just had the sentimental friend thing, but, like, but you need to choose your words very carefully. My first email address was... I, this is so embarrassing. It was hsmfreak96 at comcast.net. And why? Why would I write that? I don't freaking fracking know. But apparently... Well, I wrote that because it was true, because I was a High School Musical freak at the time. Because, as I said, I took it on as my whole persona. I was thoroughly, deeply obsessed. My locker in, like, middle school, I had all of their picture, like, posters, pictures, like, everything. Like, I had Build-A-Bear. Build-A-Bear had, like, a High School Musical bear that, like, sang one of the songs, like, whatever. I had that. Like, Like, you name it, I had it. Like, I was on top of this. When... We we moved into the house that we live in now. Um, mm-hmm. The the know this the summer that High School Musical two came out, and I guess my mom like I was we were moving to a new school district where I wasn't going to know anybody. So she was kind enough. She had the brilliant idea of like, well, let's have a sleepover and like let's do a, a premiere party, and it's something that she kind of surprised me with, um, which is like one of her greatest mom moments in mom history of, like, throwing me a High School Musical 2 party, a premiere party, uh, sleepover that I had with all my friends at our new house, um, you know, in a, before the school year started. And it was, like, probably one of the most... Shout out to my mom for throwing me a High School Musical party. This My obsession is partly her fault. So she, she aided and abetted um, in my deep obsession with High School Musical. So, yes, here we are. Isn't it? Isn't it so nice to go back to a time and place in your life when you could just be like that? Like, when your personality could just be the love of, like, mm-hmm. a thing? Like, because, like, look, we 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 like film. We like Star Wars. I mean, God, we talked about Star For Wars so long. so much. Day. We um, talked about Star Wars so much that we never want to talk about it again. <laughs> never. Guys, never. Um, it, it, like... It is so funny because it's like, yeah, there's such a window of your life where that is a thing you can do. And now when you do it now, people are like, what is Get a job, baby. Person? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the... Or you're like a maniac on the internet. Exactly. Driving Daisy Ridley off Twitter. Exactly. Um, yeah. My relationship is more boring. Again, the advantage of, I guess, having a younger 
sibling, like a younger sister sibling, is that it does give you the advantage that you can absorb these things without being framed as quote-unquote lame or yeah. gay. Gay, um, yeah. As the, as the terms would have been. Would've... Do you remember those ads that were like anti-saying the, the word Hillary gay Duff, when term? you say gay, do you realize what you say? Yeah, those were iconic. Yeah, or the one with like... <laughs> The Don't one, there's like gay. a pizzeria one and there's like a, like a, like a statue and the guy goes, oh, that's so gay. And some lady stands up and goes, how would you feel if I described it as, hey, it looks like a greasy looking teenager. And the guy's like, oh man. You don't like <laughs> God, we had some real weird PSAs. Back in the day. We did. But it, I mean, it worked. People don't yep. do that anymore. Yeah, well, I guess. Um, but anyway, so yeah, like my relationship is way different because honestly, more than the movie itself. I really remember the behind-the-scenes stuff. Right. And, like, I think that is why I really lean into, like, for me, so much of, like, what interests me about Disney is when they do that pomp and circumstance where they're like, this is an event. We owe it to people to show them every aspect of this. Right. To get them completely sold on this before they've even watched it. Like, you know. And, again, that's, like, a very kid energy where you, you like, because I remember, like, when Bioshock, my fa- like, my favorite video game is Bioshock. And I remember, like, when I first saw the previews for that in Game Informer, and I would, like, go on the early internet and scour every little detail I could get about, like, mm-hmm. oh, look at this place you can go to. And, like, look at this ability. You can just shoot bees at a guy. Right. And, like, trying to know everything about a thing before it even comes mm-hmm. out. And for me, that's what interested me. Seeing them, like, do these, oh, we can teach you the dance moves. And being like, oh, oh that's kind of cool that you can, like, learn the dance moves. I knew the dance and, moves. And, like, I would do them at school. Yeah. I, like, I, I knew those dance moves on lock, like, before those, those like, events would come out where they were like, learn the dance moves. Like, I was already on top of that. Like, that's why, this is the reason I had to major in dance when I went to college. Because I was already on right. top and- of this. Like, I had this book that was like get to know like why was this published i don't know but like it, there was a book um for children that was like about it was like a behind the scenes book for high school musical but it had like mm-hmm. these like stats about all of the actors like the city that they were born in and the year and like the the date of their Jeez. birthday like what hand they write with or stuff like it was like to that degree that i was like studying like every inch of this movie like i could tell you like all the insides out I also credit this with being the first time that I was hyper aware of like what a director does and who they are and like what mm-hmm. the importance of a director. Like Kenny Ortega is probably the first director I knew by name. That's so interesting. Yeah. Because it took me a while to get to that point where I really thought about those things. Like I didn't start thinking about those things until I saw like the social network in like twenty ten. But also like I didn't think I was gonna go into film for the longest time. Mm. It is going back and realizing, like, how much of my, like, style and aesthetic and, like, design choices are dictated by the things I saw like this. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, like, I think what helped is, like, I was all into the basketball stuff because I really liked basketball growing mm-hmm. up. So, like, that's my way of, like, easing into it and being like, see, it's a movie about basketball. Right. That's what the, the, the movie's about, about that. <laughs> And then, like, as I grow up, I, like, get my, try to get my foot slightly less into the pool every time mm-hmm. so like high school musical 2 i would never admit to have watched it because then right. like even though it's only a year later it's like that's a big leap as we're yeah. getting into middle school where it's like you can't you if you want your guy friends to give you any modicum of respect um it's not on high school like, musical 2 and yet i knew every single song of course i like and i knew bet on it i knew fabulous i know you were the music in yeah. me i don't dance like i knew all the songs yeah and it, it like i'm not, like 
and I just didn't think about it. I was just like, ah, whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. And then when the movie comes out, I'm like, I didn't see that in theaters. I didn't know any of the songs. Mm. And it, you know, and because that one was more like, not secretive, but like, you know, it was less public because it was in a theater. You had to actually like go and do Right. Yeah. You could not hide your shame. Yeah. So you're like, oh, well, I can just be completely detached from this. Yeah. And that's when, and like I said, that's when I see the South Park parody of it all, and I'm like, hoo, hoo, I'm cool. Yeah, I watch <laughs> South Park. Yeah. Yeah, and like realizing that all of that isn't me is why like 70% of my friends are girls now, mm-hmm. and I'm a musical theater um, dude. Yeah. Like scholar. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it is kind of like, and again, that's the power of these things. Like, right. And like, you're talking about the behind the scenes book. They do that thing for movies. They don't do that. Like, they do that stuff for like the animated films. Right. Or the big live action event films they do. They don't do that for Disney Channel movies. Right. That's how you knew, like, and I wish I could, my dream is for us to do, like, a series of interviews with the people who made this, because, like, mm. I want to know every step of how you realized this was going to be as big as it is, and how you went about making it that big. Yeah, exactly. Should we talk about the actual film now? Yeah, yeah. You know, like, as I, as, you know, when Carter and I review things like this, we often give each other, like, a blow-by-blow, like, of our thoughts as they come up as we're watching it. I think it's important for us to start this conversation um, with with a with a definition for our audience about what the term diegetic means, because yeah. it's a huge it pillar before. here. We have touched on it before with Guardians of the Galaxy, but it's important. Like, I think we should actually define it, since I think in so many ways our podcast is like film school light. <laughs> Yeah, don't go to film school, kids. Just listen to us. Yeah, we'll tell you how to make a movie. Um, So let's talk about the difference between diegetic and non-diegetic. Yes. So diegetic music is music that exists inside the universe of the story. If you were a person, if you were a character inside the movie, would you be able to hear that music? Mm -hmm. If the answer is yes, that would be diegetic. So for example, with Guardians of the Galaxy... Like it's any time Peter Quill plays, honestly, like it, it's all diegetic, it, especially yeah. in this last one. Like, yeah, like which is a shame because they actually have a really good like orchestral theme, but they don't right. use it a lot. That's true. Anyway, so like when Peter Quill presses a button and "No Sleep Till Brooklyn's Playing," you're like, oh, everyone in the universe can hear that. Right. When Rocket puts like, you know, the the Zoom, not an iPod. The zoom, the zoom on like speakers, everyone can hear. Yeah. It. When Peter but, Quill is like dancing around. To, what's that song? Hey, hey, come get your love. Yeah, that that popular. I forget what that. Is. Um, yeah, he is listening to that. We're observing his yeah. experience with that music. It's like part that that yeah. song is Anyone part of the, the story. Anyone in the universe would be able to hear that song. Right, right. So whereas, like for example, the scene in Endgame where uh, the Avengers theme is playing when everyone's coming through the portals. That is non-diegetic. Yeah. That means that is there just for us for to enjoy. audience, yeah. No character is looking up into the sky and being like, who the fuck is playing that music? Exactly. Like, non-diegetic would be the beginning sequence of Shrek listening to All-Star. Um, yeah. We are listening, listening to All-Star. All-Star. Yeah, he's not doing his morning routine listening to Smash Mouth. We are enjoying a Smash Mouth hit while watching Shrek do his morning routine. It's for us. Exactly. So yeah. we felt that's a that's a perfect way. Yeah. So 
so we're, we're, we're highlighting this for you because it's, it's important in the context of this discussion about High School Musical as a film and like what role the music actually plays in this film because it's sort of like a chicken and the egg conversation about like, okay, we are watching a musical, but they're also doing a musical within the story. And so, Mm. you know, as I was watching this, I didn't realize like that this, the music in this is almost 50, 50 diegetic and non-diegetic. It's almost 50, 50 songs that they're singing in real life like for, I mean, songs that they're singing in universe, but songs that like they're sort of singing to themselves in their heads that is for us to understand. Yes. And it's interesting the times and moments where it gets blurry. Yeah. Because like the musical sections, and, and this is something we can talk about too, like how the musical sections are done. But like so many times, so obviously the first song, Troy and Gabriella yeah. get on a stage. Sing and karaoke. That's very cool. Everyone can hear that. They're doing karaoke. Yeah. But then we do Get Your Head in the Game. and Or, like, a good example of, like, a middle one is, like, uh, like when they're all singing the Wildcats theme. Like, Wildcats everywhere. Where you're like, well, logically, they could be doing this in real life. Right. As a cheer. Like, the, yeah. The, this could be a pep rally song. Where, whereas, like, so Get Your Head in the Game. There's the bit where he goes, maybe this time we'll hit the right no oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and his one player looks at him like, what? And it's like, does, is he actually singing here? Like, it, the lines blur in a way that's really interesting. Yeah, that that moment in particular, like, I guess I just took that moment as a metaphor of like, oh, maybe this is the part where his head is not in the game. And his peers are like, why is your head not in the game right now? Not that they're literally hearing him sing no like but right but they're just like oh but your head's not in the game my guy the... why not but that is kind of the fun of high school musical where it blurs the line between diegetic and non-diegetic yeah. because so much of the story is about diegetic music about putting on a musical and like coming to terms with like i like to sing right and then we get these metaphoric parts where people sing like, for example, or, like, another example is, like, I Don't Dance in High School Musical 2. It's, like, well, they're not actually singing while they're playing baseball. Right. But they're having like, a conversation. It makes sense in the context. Yeah. But it's a song about not wanting to sing and dance. Right. Where you are, in fact, singing, singing and, dancing, and dancing. yeah. Which I think is a part of the silly <laughs> charm of all of this. Exactly. Um, so, revisiting High School Musical 1, like, the, the diegetic comes. That was the very first thing that stood out to me about this. Like, what are some of your thoughts revisiting this first film honestly like as we talked about like you know what were the strands of a disney channel movie that end up getting weaved together to form this it is amazing how like sincere all of like the teen drama stuff is yeah for some reason in my head you always imagine it's way more heightened and way more musically yeah um because it's you know high school musical but like if you cut out the songs or if you cut out, like, the non-diegetic songs and only did the stuff on stage mm-hmm. or, like, when they're singing for the musical, th- this is basically Eddie's Million Dollar Cook-Off, but mm-hmm. swap baseball per basketball and swap cooking Music- for singing. Musicals. And you're yeah. like, yeah. Like, it's amazing how much of this really does, despite being something new and being something kind of revolutionary for the company, it's amazing how comfortably it fits into, like, everything that had come before in terms of, like, sitcom teen drama Mm, that's so interesting yeah 
Um, and I'm, I'm just kind of, you know, in our conversation about this film changing the, the course of what DCOMs would become, it is, there's something so um, symbolic about the opening song being called The Start of Something New. Like, yeah, got him. I, which I'm like, you can't know you're making history until after you've made right. it. But it does feel like calling your shot <laughs> Exactly. So much. Yeah. You know, for me, like, I'm finding myself impressed all over again. First of all, it's been a really long time since I've revisited these films. Um, very seriously sat down and watched them again. Um, and it, it all immediately like flooded back to me of why I fell in love with mm. these in the first place. But I mentioned this to you privately of like, Kenny, like this could only have been done by like a Tony award winning, um, filmmaker, <laughs> like someone with an eye, someone who has a dance background, which like they always put a lot of emphasis on when they were talking about this. One of the characters um he's not a character they never give him a name he's he's sort of like a middle ground extra um his first name is charles um his real name uh he has like black hair um he's he's in he can be seen very prevalently as one of the dancers in all of in all three of the films but uh he was a he's a choreographer for this and he choreographed for like the laker girls like they really brought out like the big guns for this and I'm seeing why they spared no expense for the vision of these films, uh, because it's the only way that this can work is if we treat this like like a Broadway musical. Um, right. And, you know... Well, and that's the charm of it. It's like a regular Disney Channel movie with, like... It's like you're smashing, like, golden age 40s, like, let's put on a big musical yeah, number right. with the 90s Disney Channel content. Exactly. But, like, you know, I said this to you, like, Kenny Ortega has such a good eye for, like, domestic choreography of setting up mm. these... Some of the shots, like, really impressed me. This is kind of has kind of great camera work, actually. <laughs> like... Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know why I'm so shocked to, like, recognize that, but... I was impressed with some of this camera work. There's this shot in the beginning before um, they start the karaoke in the lodge. Like, it's like this wide shot of the entire room. And, like, we can, like, Troy and Gabriella sort of ornaments in the background. And then they're kind of, like, pushed to the front. He has such an eye for, like, orchestrating people um, to sort of come and go and come to the foreground and come to the background at, like, just the right moment. Even, like, these shots of Sharpay, which which would become, like, a, a gag throughout, where she sort of, like, parts the Red Sea when she walks through the hallways. There's such a, like, um, there, there's sort of nothing here that, that goes to waste um, in terms right. of, like, the way that he, like, puppeted all, all of these, all of these people. And so many of the scenes in these films are like orchestrating like mass groups of people to to do right. these it's things. It's delightly theatrical. Exactly, yeah. Even like the scene um where he's where Troy's kind of like running from Chad a little bit and they do that bit where he like comes in one classroom and then he kind of comes out the other end. <laughs> like um mm-hmm. there's just like so many really charming yeah, it is that's the best way to say it, just like charmingly theatrical um puppeting of of all of these people um that really polish it to like a degree of perfection yeah and like i don't think i appreciated this talking about the theatricalness of it all 
but it really is a great ensemble. I feel Ugh. like you forget that, where it's like, especially when they do High School Musical 3 and they, like, really make a point to, like, signal out all of the people who have been on the cast the entire yes. time. Like, how much personality and charm every single character gets. And there are just so many little, like, moments like that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's the bit where Troy, yeah, Troy is sneaking around trying to dodge his father and uh, his friend. And he goes through, like, the auto shop class, which there's, like, a, like, uh, like, it's funny because, like, one, there's a weird car element that slowly gets worked into the entire series right. of, like, car maintenance and stuff. I always we'll felt like about, that was a like, wink to, like, Grease. Yes. So much of this is Grease. Yeah. We need to talk about <laughs> this. Like, and, like, we'll get to it. But it's so wild how many of the fucking bones of this thing are, are from Grease. Yeah. Like, but, yeah, anyway, like, and then he's, like, talking to the shop, like, the shop teacher's clearly, like, dude, get out of here. There's, like, metal and right. stuff everywhere. And he's, like, sorry, late for class. And he's just trying to make an excuse, yeah. and the teacher's, like, mm-hmm, uh-huh. mm-hmm. And it's, like, what a nice little moment to have. Or, for example, one of, like, the main sort of, during Stick to the Status Quo, there's the one, like, math girl who's, like, Martha? I love hip-hop. Yeah. Yes, Martha. And then as they're doing their big, and this is one of the moments where you're like, man, this thing is big. Mm-hmm. This thing is massive despite, like, it's the perfect balance between the scraggly Disney Channel stuff of the 90s and, like, the expensive stuff that's going to come after in terms of, like, this feels big. Mm-hmm. Like, there's work on display. And her dance moves are pointedly different than everyone else's. She's clearly doing, like, a more hip-hop-inspired movement set. Yeah, as opposed everyone's to doing more jazz. Like, big put on a show yeah yeah Mm -hmm. energy you know speaking of the choreography like watching this i i I have never appreciated how much you can you can always tell with, with with choreography for film like when they put the focus on like a set piece or a prop and they just sort of you can tell when when they workshop it and they play around with like how can we get the best out of like an inanimate object and in every film Mm -hmm. There, there is a, like, a moment where, or, like, you, you can just tell that they've sat down and they're like, okay, this is the prop, it's a basketball. Like, let's just, like, go into a room and figure out the different ways that you can dance with a basketball. For the stick to the status quo scene, I'm like, so much of the choreography is specific to the shape of the table. And, like, the way right. that the tables... Because I was, like... When I look closely, I'm, like, they... How do they do so much dancing where they're, like, sitting at the table and then they suddenly, like, jump back from the table? Like, how are the seats shaped that they can actually do that? And... Which I think adds to the charm of being a high school musical. They're trying to logic out, like... Yeah. Oh, we are performing in a high school. We have to make this make sense in the context of a high school. Right, exactly. Uh, the stick to the status quo scene is so phenomenal like I've I've never um I've never appreciated so much how they organize like a polished chaos that is you know it's like so much of the big metaphor of this film was always lost on me until now watching it as an adult of like watching a room of people unravel and a culture of a school like never ever being the same like I've always sort of understood the message of stick to the status quo but it never dawned on me that like Oh yeah, like now there's a lot more like integration in the school. Like just after this day, like it was just like one day at school that changed the way the culture in the whole school was forever. Right. And I mean, that's what I mean. Like all of that stuff makes sense in like a regular non-singing context. Like again, 
it's despite being so like heightened and campy, it's weirdly well observed yeah. in like how a high school functions. Mm-hmm. Where like you roll your eye as an adult, you roll your eyes about like, oh, the sing the basketball boy wants to sing, but the basketball no one wants him to do yeah. that because that changes things. It's like is that not kind of what click like high schools are clicks? That's how it works, right? Like. It all, like, again, like, it's a weirdly, like, er, it's a painfully well-observed and earnest film, which I think is why, like, when you go back and watch it, you're like, damn, this kind of hits. Exactly, right. Can we, like... How many of our notes yesterday were just like, man, this song's a banger, this This is is great, this is amazing, wow. Wow. Yeah, all of it. It was even more so with with two. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the characters specifically, because it's like... You're right. It's not just, like, like the core six are gold, like, just, like, lightning in a bottle. But they really padded right. this out with an excellent supporting cast. <laughs> like, there's no character right. in here that is not really funny, very talented, and um, sort of, imp- like, there, no role here feels, like, unimportant. And I kind of, I, I love every detail, even, like, um, the character Jason always stood out to me as being, like, this airheaded, like, sort of, like, just getting by in school, kind of one step behind everybody, um, and everyone's sort of, like, rolling their eyes at everything that he says, um, characters like Martha and Kelsey, you know, I, we were sort of... Zeke is my guy. I love Zeke. I, I love the coupling of Zeke and Sharpay. <laughs> That's so right. satisfying. Something about that is excellent. And again, that is like the charm of the High School Musical films in terms of like, you know what? I know these things are kind of rush jobs. We're like scrambling through like one take Ortega's on a roll. But like the fact that they take the time for a little after credit scene where Sharpay (laughs) actually eats one of the cookies and it's like, this is amazing. Yeah. (laughs) And it is like, again, I just love that like Zeke, like Zeke is like this kind of perfect character where it's like he is so in, he has his one little hobby outside of his clique that he loves so much. Right. And, like, every time he describes it, he's just, like, shaking with excitement. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I love other, like, if it wasn't for, again, if it wasn't for the fact that it was messing with the status quo, everyone seems to encourage him. Right. This. Like, Troy is, like, genuinely asking him, like, oh, what is that? Yeah. And he's like, and he's like, oh, nice. Right. I I love that they commit to, like, for, from the end of one on, they're like, no, no, all these people are friends. Like... They're, they used to be in cliques, yeah. they're not in cliques anymore, and they all hang out, and they all are, like, genuinely interested in each other, and they support each other, like, from here on out. Like, all, they are now a they team. They are all in this they together. They are all in this together, and, like, that is the new status quo. Yes. And we don't deviate from um, that. I've always, I mean, I've always been partial to Miss Darbus, uh, especially as she progresses like, obviously, she's not really in the second one, but, like, rewatching the third one, I really yeah. like what they do with her character to an actual emotional extent, where, like, one of the tropes that keeps rearing its head in the series is, like, characters sort of taking initiative and doing stuff for other characters mm-hmm. to either mess with them or, like, change their status. Mm-hmm. And finally, Mrs. Darbus admits to Troy, like, hey, I put your name in for Julia, yeah. like, you know, I, because I feel like you have potential and you have talent, but, like, I also realize that puts you in a very difficult yeah. position with your future, and I'm sorry about yeah. that. Yeah. And, like, to the point where I actually get emotional, and that, like, that's the power of them all, like, actually being friends and, like, the crackling chemistry. Like, they sold a decade of Disney on the chemistry between um, Vanessa yes. Hudgens and Zac Efron, but, like, 
here's the thing. They all have such good Amazing, chemistry. yeah. Like, even though Sharpay drives them crazy, they all still hang out with her. They all right. still, like, interact. Yeah. I've, I've always been so endeared by the, like, Ryan's in- inclusion. How they're like, yep, no questions asked. You're in our group now. You're our friend. <laughs> Don't even think twice yeah, about it. Which is kind of... Which is kind of how high school works, where it's like, yeah, even if we have, like, disagreement, like, you know, we'll bring you into the yeah. friend circle. Like, we like hanging out right. with you. Like, whatever. Your sister's a bit of a bully, but that's not, right. like, a reason to ostracize you. Okay. You know what's what's one thing that really stood out to me about this rewatching, especially the first one? Ugh, that it's ever so lightly misogynistic. <laughs> and, like, we need to have a talk about... Specifically, you know, there's this trend going on on Twitter right now that's like, who is the villain in the story, but who's like the actual oh, villain? And I'm like, I forgot about the that, actual villain in High School Musical is Chad. But <laughs> like, we can we can talk about that yeah. later. Like, Chad's actually the bad guy, at least in one. Like, yeah, I let's like let's not let's not be around the bush. What Chad does in that in High School Musical one is objectively a terrible thing to do with your friend. Yeah. And I Taylor McKessie, like, you're that, on the line uh, too, bitch. Like, we gotta talk. You guys yeah. suck. <laughs> yeah, like, what you did was objectively kind of evil. Yeah. Like, what Sharpay did is dickish. Yeah. But, like, what the... Like, she's not claiming to be friends with anyone. No. Of like, you made I, this girl cry, and then you were like, so, do you want to have lunch? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, she's sad. You guys upset her. Why can you, like, look your... Why can you make your friend cry, and then look her in the face and be like, well, anyway... Time for lunch. Are you hungry? Let's anyway, go. Anyway, so, like, and I guess, again, that's, like, the charm of, like, the high school stuff where it's, like, yeah, pretty quickly they realize they went horribly over the line. Yeah. And, like, you know, our worst moments don't define us as friends. Right. But, like, still, again, like, holy shit, guys. It, it's so funny because, like, Troy Bolton's dad, like, obviously he's, like, I don't approve of this singing. Oh, wait, I do approve. But... It, it, it like he actually gives a good piece of advice to his son when he's like, "What if I want to try something different and my friends won't approve and it's a disaster?" And they just and he just goes, "You want to go left instead well, of right?" Well, then maybe they're not really your friends. Oh, and yeah. I'm like, "What a good wow. piece!" Of, like you're right, yeah, dude. That's true. You know what scenes like struck me this time around that I always kind of like dismissed before is the scene where like the coach and Miss Darbus go to the principal, and like. Yes. He he kind of dismisses both of them, but then he's like, anyway, coach, how's the team looking? Sides with the sports team. Like, and it's it always, I always, like, well, this, not always, but this time going around, I found it particularly obnoxious how, like, they frame, they kind of frame Mrs. Darbus as being, like, totally inept in, like, in terms of anything sport-related. Like, they kind of, all of her jokes are about, like, not knowing, like, what sport a touchdown is in, which, like, is so stupid to me. Like, I'm like, why did they feel the need to emphasize that in the way? Like, why, why, why can't she know anything about sports and still be, have her main thing be about the theater? And even, like, the same, we can even extend that in the direction of Coach Bolton, of, like, they really, to a clownish degree, emphasize that they are, polar opposite each other at least at the end they 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 sort of rectified this with that moment at the end where where he's like brava like they kind of have this meeting in the middle between the two characters of like well, that's the that's the disney channel of it. yeah like take a trope and heighten it to 12 yeah but yeah i do 
again, it's too early to take a shot unless you have espresso, but, like, you know, being in around a theater department where, like, you're like, are you doing a bit right now with yeah. me when you're saying sport ball? What is a quarterback? Yeah. Like, you're an American. <laughs> yeah. One, you're American. Act like it. Two, you grew up in Texas. You grew up in Ohio. Literally two foot, yeah. of the, like three football capitals in this fucking country. Right. Like, you're, you're fucking with me yeah, right now. Come exactly. on. Exactly. <laughs> But yeah, like, again, that scene, it's so funny how much of it is, like, observed and also how much of it is, like, classic Disney, like, sitcom stuff. Because, like, that scene plays out a billion times in high schools across America where it's like, yes, yes, every staff member's equal, but the sports but some staff are is more, more equal than everything exactly. else. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Some animals are more equal than others. Right. <laughs> um, all right, before we, before we jump to talking specifically about the second one, what, what else do we want to cover with this first one? I just, like... It's almost hard to quantify it. it so is. much of it is just classic. Yeah. Like everything about it is kind of perfect in terms of like, yes, this is everything you could want from a Disney Channel movie. Exactly. In terms of like, it's everything you want in terms of Disney because it takes all the stuff we have from Disney Channel movies and Disney ta- Channel television and brings that pomp and circumstance and sense of like panache and color that you get with like a Disney animated film. Right. Like the singing sequences in this, like. Is anyone ever going to put, you know, start of something new or we're breaking free ahead of, uh, you know, part of your world or, um, you know, Beauty and the Beast? No, probably not. Right. But they come from the same cloth. Exactly. They're made of the same stuff. You know, I will say one thing that I appreciate now as an adult is like they, they strike the most perfect balance, um, with like a romantic center piece to the story that is not ever too much it is and i and i think there's an art especially with programming that's kind of directed at children um at being like oh there's like this is a couple but it doesn't ever feel like too much or ever like or ever really sexual in any like do you know what i mean like um there's something there's something to be credited there with and that that they kind of extend that all the way at least with this running gag that we'll never ever see them kiss. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which I think is well, hilarious. Like, it really is it is crazy how physical affection and are they are and again the chemistry between those two yeah. is on fire. Right, exactly. And yet they always balance the line where I'm like this doesn't feel out of line with what a high schooler would be doing. Yeah, that's true. Like, yeah. You're just telling the line on that. Exactly. Yeah. And you know what um you know we've we've talked about in the in the past i kind of touched on this on my last notes from the hosting that i did on patreon um about writing that feels like it's like writing that's for kids but written like from an adult perspective that like what what their perspective of youth culture is or adults that are just writing jokes that they find funny and, like, this is, I think High School Musical, mm-hmm. all three of them are perfect examples of, like, comedy that comes from, like, a very genuine place that is not pandered to children. This is why I, th- I feel like there's such a stark difference between the children's programming from when we were that age to now. Because mm-hmm. I don't, like, none of this feels specific. None of the comedy here or gags feel specific to the time. They just, they're, they're sort of, like, solid, just, like, good landing jokes that seem really even across the board. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you took the cell phones out, you could say this was yeah. the eighties or the nineties, and it wouldn't really change that much, right? Like, and again, that's another secret of Disney. It's like the best stuff is kind of timeless, yeah. but it exists in as many times as it needs to. Exactly. Yeah, but there are some. Which I guess is the one difference. But oh, sorry. I was just gonna say that some of the jokes um, still really hit. <laughs> oh yeah, it is. It is insane how funny these they things are. are, which I thought was the part that was going to age the worst for Right. Because I'm like, well, I'm going to like the musical sections. The music's good. Yeah. I'm going to like the acting. The actors are good. Right. But I did not think I was going to laugh this Exactly. Much. Particularly just, like, it's all one-liners. Like, and again, that's oh. the Disney Channel. Like, everyone is like a, everyone is like Rodney Dangerfield yes. out there. <laughs> like, Sharpay Evans just telling Zeke, Evap- evaporate, <laughs> tall person. And I'm like... Can't deny that's something this, that a that's not, not something a high schooler would say. I, I'm not going to deny that would be an insult a theater kid would come up this with. This has the zippiest one-liners. Like I don't know, like they just got it on the head for like the best one-liners. Yeah. All three of them have excellent. And again, it one-liners. works because of the chemistry of the whole cast. Right. Like there's just the bit between Chad and um, uh, Troy. I almost called him Zach. Um, did I ever mention I? Well, I didn't meet him, but I was like near him who was that guy from yeah he, when he was when he was touring when he was doing promotional for that um when he was um the one serial killer they all blurred oh out. ted ted bundy yeah he uh that premiered at tribeca so i was oh. like one of the people handling like seating and stuff cool. and he was there seemed like he seemed kind of i don't know he seemed kind of stressed out yeah um <laughs> but anyway there's that bit with chad and troy where um like, Chad is going on this lengthy diatribe about how his mom Is this in the library? This of... scene, like... Yes. I have thoughts about this scene. This is where I'm like, yeah, this is the misogyny. Like, why is there so much... Why is this movie kind of bad in that regard? Um, I mean, it's just kind of, of the, the era, time. Honestly, yeah. I think. Yeah, if, it, it's weird that it has, like, an affection for theater, but also, like, a snide attitude toward a lot of theater kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just... And again, I think it's just the era where it's like, we're trying to get into the blue, we're trying to get into the blue eye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just what an insane little sequence. And yet it's so funny hearing him say this as the librarian keeps popping around and being like, you gotta keep it down, man. Yeah. that That's the part where I'm like, I don't like Chad's the villain here because even when, when the teacher keeps getting on them, he keeps like blaming Troy. Like every time they, when the right. teacher comes up, he's like, it's not me, it's him. Like, he totally dimes out his friend, like, in every, every little, like, crevice that he can, in every opportunity, he's like, it's not me, it's him. Like, those little moments, I'm like, this guy sucks. (laughs) Yeah, like, sure, I mean, well, Sharpay's also the villain, too, but, like, again, like, I don't know, like, she's, again, she's not claiming to be any of these people's friends. Also... Like, before we move on to Strictly High School Musical 2, I do love that, like, they come up with this elaborate plan to shut down both competitions for a minute. Right. And, like, I'm like, if the other teams found out what you did, you would have to forfeit. Yeah. <laughs> like, you deliberately, you sabotaged, like, the arena of play. Yeah. That's, like, a for- that's forfeitable. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> which is kind of funny. Um, which is funny to think about. But, right. Like, you know, it, 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 we're breaking free. That's yeah. the important part. It helped us break free. Yeah, that's all that mattered. Okay. High School <sighs> Musical 2. You know, while we're adding things to our dictionary, 
We need to um, give people a definition of the term camp. Yes. Because this is Camp the Musical, which I have in my notes. High School Musical 2. If there was a subtitle here, it would be Camp the Musical. We're getting campy. This is where they lean, like, they're like, okay, crank all of this up to 15. Like, let's cartoonify this. Like, and, and it's not too much. It's never too much. But, like... They turn this into camp, 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 camp. Like every every aspect of this, and and maybe the fact that it that it's got fun summery energy allows for the yeah. goofy to come through. But well, this is where the grease comes in for me because I'm like, mm. this has such a like a weird fifties energy of like, oh yeah, it's summertime. Mm, School's yeah. out. Gonna spend the summer with my girl. Yeah. Um. So, so camp just means that um something is like what's what like it's so hard to it's such an abstract term but it means that like something is very like a sort of height yeah unironically heightened to like almost an obnoxious degree yes like an like again yeah all the characters are cranked up to 11 they're like personality types Mm -hmm. it like Everyone is unironically sillier and exaggerated more than ever. Right. Like, the best example of that, I think, is, like, Troy Bolton, sort of, like, you realize one of his key personality traits is being a bundle of nerves. Yeah. Where, like, he is on the verge of, like, seven mental breakdowns. It's at all times. This entire ordeal. Yeah. Which is justified, because he's getting pulled in a lot of directions. Right. To the point where he just enters, like, his space of work and just screams as long <laughs> yeah. as he can to let out the stress. Mm-hmm. Um like everything with sharp hay, just from the outfit to we like to... constantly having a cavalcade of ladies waiting exactly. on her, just heightens everything. And perhaps my favorite sequence in the entire High School Musical canon, the "I Don't Dance" sequence, which I think I just described as you. I'm like the choreography in this <sighs> is why cinema was yes. invented. The Lumiere brothers, whose ghosts have been tethered to this yeah. realm for hun- <laughs> over a hundred years now finally go someone got it yeah and could move on okay let's because like this is this is a film where i could actually ab- actually lose my mind talking about so like let's yeah, let's organize be, here we're already an hour and a half yeah in. we have to control right at least a little bit you know one the first thing i want to talk about is like when i watch this again i i immediately i i remember them talking about how this was filmed in the middle of winter um but like why did they color this so um the, the the color the color in this film is interesting um and i guess maybe they had to counteract what the film probably actually looked like when it was shot which is like all overcast right. and if you look closely every single scene is overcast but they sort of like give this like an orangey tint and like they re- i feel like they took the saturation bar and yes they saturate yeah the colors are very uh hard yeah not in an overwhelming way, but I'm like, why is everything so vibrant? Right, and it's been, and like I, they also sort of strategically do that with the costuming, especially in the what time is it sequence, which like they sort of create these like iconic like solids that pop on these massive like mm-hmm. when they're all doing these wide shots in the cafeteria of the whole gang like doing this choreography together, like I'm like oh yeah they really they know how to strike the, the great balance of like having just these eye-catching solids from far away that you can identify, like, oh, that chick in the gold pants is Sharpay. 
and like <laughs> every, everything else like they they really gave them an iconic color palette that I feel like each character sticks to throughout the film so that really lands really well but yeah like I noticed the saturation is like turned up real high and everyone kind of looks a little orange but I think that's the point if we're supposed to believe it's summertime and they're like tanned up yes I don't know I I uh, my one of my big things is it's wild how this is the most sequely we weren't planning to get a sequel sequel idea that's ever existed where it's like uh they go on summer vacation that's what it is yeah they get jobs it makes a hundred and ten percent sense where you're like oh all of this kind of logically follows everything that came before it's like okay people really like ryan let's make it him becoming a part of the friend group and stepping out of his sister's shadow right let's make it about you know let's make it about uh troy who now has this new avenue of talent he's discovered being pulled in even more directions right let's have the ensemble just get more time to breathe because it's not just about troy and gabriella now it's about everybody together making it work right i love that we inadvertently say the titles of the songs as we're describing it yeah which is kind of brilliant exactly (laughs) um i also love that it like it has a weirdly (laughs) i hate to say this this isn't my take that's gonna blow your pants Mm -hmm. off but it's it has a weird like shakespearean energy to it of like this like, super heightened comedy. It's like, we all go off to a magical place for the summer. Mm-hmm. And, like, everyone's getting pulled into different love triangles. Mm-hmm. And we have our, like, comedic love interest and our serious love interest. Yeah. And There's something episodic like, everyone is, about yes. this. Like, I forgot to mention this in the beginning, but, like, they published a series of, like, fiction books based off of these characters. And I obviously read them because... Really? Yes. That were just like episodic, like a day in the life at East High with all of the characters, and of of course I read them, because um, I again if it had his musical on it, I owned it, I had it, I was into it, um, but like yeah, two like House Musical two reads like that, like an, an episode in the lives of these established characters and relationships, yeah. So I totally get what yeah, you're saying. It, like that's it. Like, yeah, it feels like, oh, we thought of a sequel last minute, and yet at the same time, I'm like, oh, it kind of emotionally fulfills all of their arts. Yeah. And I love that Troy Bolton's, and this is the insane take I thought of yesterday that I wanted to tell you. It's insane that Troy Bolton basically goes through the same arc Woody does in Toy Story 2. <laughs> Excuse it's me? like, oh, he, here is the center of this universe. He's the center of East High like, he is the face of this high school. He's the star. Mm-hmm. He's the everything. And a sort of a sort of abstract end to all of this is coming. Andy's growing up. You're going to graduate high school soon. And as he has this moment of crisis where he doesn't know what's going to happen to him when this time comes, he gets tempted by a new group of, like, mm. who frame him as, like, you the can be hero. a star in a new place. Yes. Yes. Like, you can be the face of Woody's Roundup, or you can be the face of A of you, or whatever. Yeah, you like, And as he gets more and more sucked into that world, mm-hmm. he alienates the people who mattered the most to him. Exactly. And oh my gosh. at the 11th hour, at the 11th hour, he's reminded, like, you know. You've got a friend like, in me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Basically, you got a friend in me. This was all about my friends. Yeah. And, like, who would you who would I be to break up my friend circle? Exactly. And then triumphantly returns to bring the gang together. And while they don't know what's going to happen next, they're going to live every moment as it's their last. Oh, that, you know, you, your, your message to me was, I have a take that's going to blow your balls off. 
And honestly, that's accurate. Like, well done. <laughs> that's that's some of your finest work there. That's that's it. Yeah. Carter Glaze, everybody. You did it. It's, that's a good one. It's also like, thank you. And I think what impresses me most about this movie is like, it's insane how like, like you'd be like, well, they're not going to make the songs as good this time. You can't strike lightning twice. No, they struck lightning this twice. This is the lightning. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> who? The bolt never stopped hitting. Right. Okay, you know, one of my favorite elements of this film is that, like, this this sequel is, if if nothing, a peek into the life of Sharpe Evans and the world that she comes from. Yeah. And I think one of the most poignant scenes for me is when she, like, storms into her mom's yoga class. Like, it's, like, something about that is is the epitome of camp, of, like, of course this lady is her mom, <laughs> like, who is, yes. like, uh, like that whole interaction with them, it is so perfect, I, I am so glad that they emphasize the, the Evans twins, um, parents, and, like, the, the world that they come from, it explains so much, and, like, adds so much context to, to, like, their behavior in the first one, and why everyone else in school reacts to them that the way that they, that they do, which, by the way, have I ever mentioned that the actor who plays, their father went to our high school. Oh, I, I remember. This. Yeah, what well, fun fact. I feel like that's something I'm reminded of every couple of months. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I see it again and I'm like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. Also, Gabe from The Office. Well, no, because the one I always remember is the guy from The Office. Went to our high school? But... Mm-hmm. I just remember well, one of the guys. Richard Kind also went to our high school. Again, like you could easily dox us if you yeah. want to do the work. Um, um, but it is what it is. But that's like, I have nothing to steal. I, I, I love, I, like, I, I could go on and on. I can't even form a thought right now, but when I'm thinking about like Sharpay and Ryan, their role in this movie and all of the scenes dedicated to them, I, I love, like, let's just, let's just go into it right now. If we're talking about fabulous, like, I love that fabulous takes a departure from reality and almost like breaks the fourth wall kind of, um, in certain elements of it. Um, when Ryan is simultaneously like, like sitting by her at the pool, but he's also this like pool piano, like Elton John right. character. <laughs> he's also like weirdly the accompaniment here for this piece. Um, it's just like to have all of these, um, what's it called? Oh yeah. Talking about choreography with, with like props they like are dancing with these like beach chairs and these like beach balls like it's these these like spinning ottoman things that they're on it's it is a remarkable sequence and i'm glad that 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 became the standard of like sharpay needs a big over-the-top number by herself sharp in terms of like the what i described like the golden age of hollywood like we built this elaborate stage yes put start shooting off the fireworks yeah we have a company of dancers for this yes she is like the embodiment of that she's when that gets turned all the way up and i do like that she gets a different sort of cinematic language than Uh, exactly i do also think yeah and i do think it's also interesting and it's one thing that i think is both a benefit and a hindrance of the movie is all of the musical sections have a very light music video element in terms Mm -hmm. of like one it's clearly, it's an ADR track, like, there's no, yeah. like, in, which is mo- how most musicals are done, but it stands out more here, because what drives me crazy about Get Your Head in the Game is none of the basketball dribbles sync up with what they're doing on the court, 
like in terms of like they didn't go back and ADR all of the bounces and hmm. the screeches and as they're practicing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting that like it gives the music an even more like weird dreamlike element to it where it's like, oh, this really is like a heightened reality. You know, you're mentioning something that I was kind of going to save for when we move into talk about High School Musical 3. But watching watching the third one again, I kind of had this weird epiphany where I was like, in every musical, like, you have to ask, especially in a musical movie, like, what is the function of, of it being a musical? Why have we mm-hmm. decided to make music the, like, conversational, like, or, or the, the vehicle for, like, these ideas? Like, what is its purpose in the story? And it wasn't until the third one that I realized, like, oh, this is what separates High School Musical from other musicals, especially when we talk about this diegetic, non-diegetic conversation of, like, the musicals are supposed to facilitate fantasy. They're not... What separates it from other musicals is, like, the... Typically... Okay, I Don't Dance is a good example of, like, it's... The song is facilitating a conversation. The song is just communicating what two people are, are talking about or arguing about. But in the bigger picture in High School Musical is that, like, no, the musicals are, the, the songs are supposed to illustrate fantasy. And, like, I, that that's a through line through all three films. Because I always found it, like, one of the weirdest elements of High School Musical 1 is when Gabriella is singing um, When There Was Me and You. And like she 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 passes this like big life size mural of like the football or the basketball team of like these heightened like glamour shots of of the guys and like these action poses, which at the, I always felt that that was like the strangest thing that you would never see in a high school, but when right. I think about this again, I'm like no 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 like that's that is a part of her fantasy actually like. That is a part of the of the way that this is an illustration of the way she feels, which is small in comparison to like what is really important to this guy that that she thought she had like someone who a friend in. That she is actually right. a tiny piece yeah. in this like big picture of of the sports and the athletes like being the most important thing here, and she is again like a background fixture that doesn't really matter. Yeah, it is, like, again, we've reached the pretentious film scholar thing of, like, overanalyzing a title of a movie, Mm -hmm. but it is a high school musical, and it's, like, the musical form, the whole concept, as, like, laid out by a lot of people, but, like, you know, Howard Ashman described it well, of, like, you know, the whole point of having a character sing something they could easily just speak, it's, like, when the emotions and drama of something get so intense and so overwhelming, you can only yeah. describe, articulate it through art. You can right. only articulate it through song. That's the only way you can get your soul right. out. And this is high school drama elevated to that point. Mm-hmm. And high schoolers are inherently dramatic. So yeah. of course that makes sense. That makes a hunt. That's like, just, of course, right. that's just inherently logical. Exactly. And that's why I Don't Dance is one of my favorites because it's such a simple idea. They're playing baseball and talking about maybe doing a show together. And it turns into this, like, again, golden age of Hollywood where Ugh. we just keep cutting from, like, the logical action to these bits where they're all just dancing in the middle of the field as if they have top hats and it's, canes. I was going to say, like, part- I Don't Dance has almost, like, a Mary Poppins step-in-time, like, level of exactly. grandeur. 
where and it's on a like a dusty ass yeah where field they're in covered the in of dirt yeah and it is it it's like um what's it called it's like billy elliot it's like it's it has such a grand heightened level of like performance that i don't think was ever recreated on disney channel ever again like which is kind of what we're going to talk about yeah. when we get to like the aftermath of all of this but like yeah. if there is is a peak example of of everything high school musical has ever done it's not all in this together it's not any of the other ones it's i don't dance this is this is the top of the top i i mean you know what i can't deny it because the bit where one of the dan- like background dancers gets caught like trying to steal a pitch and he's going back and forth as they throw the ball. Mm-hmm. And then he just swan dives over yeah. the guy. Or like does a full tuck and roll. Right. And then does a sassy handstand where right. he splits his legs as he touches the base. Right. You're like, oh, of course this was the biggest thing for kids right. for like a decade. Yeah. Of course. Look at this swag. Right. Like this is just, they're swaggering Exactly. Now. Yeah. You know, I think... I hate to say it, but, like, between the three of them, I think High School Musical 2 is my favorite one. And it's just because of this over-the-top level of performance. I just am a sucker for, like, I mean, but I am a dancer. So what always sticks out to me is excellent choreography and excellent, like, production mm-hmm. value here. So all of, like, this this whole film, just this one, has, for me, some of the best of what this whole franchise produced. Right. I mean, if one of the key tenets of High School Musical is camp, this is the best example of that. Like, because it's everything you like about High School Musical cranked to such a violent degree, it kind of hurts your eyes yes. to look at if you look at it too hard. <laughs> like, again, what... Again, it, it, like, there's very, like... It's between I Don't Dance and Troy Bolton just storming in the that middle of the part. golf course yelling. Talk about camp. on it, like that's, right? I think that is actually like, the height of camp. It's not fabulous. It's bet on it, of this ridiculous like prancing around a golf cart, a golf course, like throwing like, dirt around, kicking, like just like having this like moment. <laughs> like that is is the height of drama. And then he's just sitting in his bed at home, like I don't even know who I am anymore, and I'm like, bitch, you're supposed to be seventeen. Right. I, of course you don't. Wait, can we talk about, like, the, like, this is why I bet on it is the height of camp, because that moment where he, like, peers into the pond, and they just, like, crowbar in this, like, this reflection of, like, this is so not serious, like, this is, <laughs> this is so stupid, like, I love it, it's so stupid, and it's so serious, like, it's amazing, yeah. it looks awful. And I love it. I just, it all has to be there just like this. <laughs> it, yeah. I just, again, if you were ever going to, it's honestly maybe one of the 10 things. Like if aliens came to Earth and they're like, you got to show us your culture, we're going to blow up the planet. <laughs> and I was like, all right, what are we picking from Disney? Yeah. This would be my top five. Yeah, yeah. And it would probably one. save us from getting lasered. Exactly. <laughs> um, um, are you ready to move on to? Well, Yes, kind of. Um, there's one last thing that I that stands out to me for the first time in, in this movie that will continue on to the next one. You know, when we talk about, like, a villain, you know, throughout this, I, I'm continually asking myself, like, what exactly does Sharpay want? Um, I think I've I've just overthought it. She's actually the simplest character in terms of what her aspiration here really is. 
Because, like, I, I definitely overthought, like, what, what does she actually want out of Troy? But what, but what, like, what's her goal here? But, you know, like, I mean, she's always been about number one. But, you know, this is the first film where I'm like, I think her punishment is a little too harsh. Like, why in, in this movie and in the third one does Sharpay always get, like, the double slap? Like, she doesn't just lose out on what it is she wants, but, like, there's always, like, an even worse consequence for her that I think always is just slightly too much. <laughs> like, and this one, the second movie is the first... Which is weirdly another Toy Story thing, where it's like, okay, Sid didn't know toys were sentient. No. And also, oh yeah, Stinky Pete sucked, but he also right. just, like, wants to be liked. Right. And he doesn't want to be, like, trapped in a box anymore. Right, it's like, for this one, it's like, okay, it's one thing for... Um, for her to be crying in her dressing room because, uh, see, it's so convoluted because it's like, I forget what the initial thing was. It's like, okay, so she's no longer going to be like the rest of the staff is now included. Great. But then she gets kicked out altogether. She doesn't get to perform at all. She has to be an ensemble member. Yeah, and and only because they're kind enough to invite her on stage in the middle of the performance. Like, but it's like at the end where they do that switcheroo where like they make Troy learn the everyday song and then they like crowbar in Gabriella. Right. I'm like, I think that was just a hair too mean. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I mean, Gabrielle, or it, it's it's. I almost called her Ashley. Like <laughs> Sharpe. Her Sharpay's whole thing. She got her own spinoff. I should give her a proper yeah. name. Sharpay's whole thing is like she's the sort of stereotype of the theater kid, where they they need to be in the spotlight at all times, and God help anyone who tries <laughs> to move a little bit. And her like emotional arc in this is kind of just learning to be okay, particularly yeah. with her brother, because it's like yeah, she's still kind of mad at Gabriella, but like she's been really mistreating her brother this whole time. Yeah. I mean, if you take it in the context of like how poorly she's treated her brother over two movies, it's a little better Mm -hmm. just because it's like, yeah, she needed to be humbled a little bit. I will say what happened, her arc in the third is kind of one of my favorite things about the franchise. We'll have to talk about that. Ooh. Yes. I don't know how much you want to talk about High School Musical 3 because technically it's not a decom, but it is important, important part of this story. Well, we'd have to continue it, you know, like, uh, you know, you mentioned that you didn't bother to see it. I was in there opening weekend, obviously. Like, that probably Perfect, goes without right. saying. But, like, yes, let's... You know, you, like, I feel like just copy and paste most of what we... Most of what we had to talk about for the first two films onto this one. Um, but, you know... But with more money. But with more money and, like... This thing looks expensive. It looks ex- I'm genuinely shocked at the production value. Right? And I and it didn't really strike me until watching it this time that I'm like, oh yeah, they really, really understood from a filmmaking perspective that this was going to be shown on a massive screen. And I think they really applied the changes accurately uh, in terms of like really making these massive dream fantasy sequences, making them huge, making them, mm-hmm. like, big screen worthy. It's it's almost as if, like, they understood from a writing perspective that, like, this is the big times. This is the equivalent of, like, the SpongeBob SquarePants, the musical, where Squidward gets, like, a musical number and gets to, like, arrive. Yeah. Like, this is, this feels like a big arrival. Um, where they understood the the pomp and circumstance of them being on the big screen, you know? Right. 
I think one of Disney's biggest weaknesses in the age of streaming is not having a good sense of, like, the scope of anything. It's yeah. Like, what does television mean now? What does streaming mean now? What does film mean yeah. now? Yeah. And the High School Musical franchise is them locked into what that exactly. means. Exactly. High School Musical is bigger than any Disney Channel movie before, but at the same time, it feels like television, but with an extra, like, shot. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is, like, yes, this is the movie version of that. Exactly. Both in terms of scope and structure. Because it is so funny how so many of, like, the arcs in this movie are ones that kind of were resolved in the previous movies. Yeah. But at the same time, still feel satisfying of, like, Sharpay learning to be okay, letting her brother be in the spotlight. The quiet penis getting her day in the sun. Gabriella and Troy figuring out their future together. Uh, You know, know, uh, Chad grappling with the fact that his friend might be going in a separate way. Yeah, and that's okay. Um, You know, because I I did make notes for this. Um, You know, I, I noticed with this third one, it's like, they really nail the ha- the they really like hit the nail on the head here with um illustrating the idea that like these you you could really watch this and believe that these characters show up here every day. Like they 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 really capture like the domestic energy of believing that these students have been here that they go to school here and they're here every day and like they, you know, that this world just continues on almost in like an Animal Crossing way of like you believe that they're still there doing it. Like But so it's like, it so perfectly captures like this consistency while like injecting like believable growth. So it's like in this, in the third one, like Martha is now on the cheer team and like Ryan is the mascot, little things Mm -hmm. like that where I'm like, oh yeah, like you believe that like they're progressing and continuing in the same direction while we're not looking. And I kind of love those details. Which is why the little bit of them on the stage at the end, humming, we're all in this together, works. Because, and especially, like, how winsome and nostalgic um, uh, Darbus gets. Where you're like, yeah, she's seen these kids grow up. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. and you're like, fuck, this actually works. You are kind of like, damn, this really works. Right. Like. You know, I feel like watching this film around, I have, like, for the first time ever, a much deeper appreciation and understanding of Gabriella as a character doesn't really happen for me until the third movie where I'm like, I think initially I remember being frustrated with her choice not to go to prom or her. And and like, I feel like she kind of ruins everybody else's fun. And it's not until I watch it this time around, maybe it's because I am older and I see things differently that I'm like, Oh no, I actually feel like I sympathize with this character of, and this, it doesn't, not necessarily that she made a good choice, but I, I feel like I can understand now why, it, like, the, the actual weight of what her life has been and what it means for this film. It actually got me kind of choked up when I watched this, when we realized, like, okay, this is a girl who's been dragged around forever. Her only life experience is never feeling settled anywhere, um, never feeling like she belonged anywhere, and having to mm. move and move and move and move. And... And, and refusing to, to want to do that again. Um, so when we have this resolution of her making it back for the final number, I just want to be with you, I start, like, I found mm. myself kind of crying a bit because, like, Troy has this, explains to her, like, no, you and you alone 
came in and actually changed the like genetic makeup of this place. Like your presence, what you did by accident changed everybody's life here and you changed the culture of East High School. And so she comes back and she's doing this musical number and they like hoist her up onto the balcony and like they have every single character come up and like give her a hug and like have oh, this I'm choked up as you're describing right it. it's like every single character comes up and like gives her like some kind of hug or like does like a thing with her like it they just give her the solo moment where she's like no i did establish a home somewhere like even though i have to go away like for college i did she 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 does get to establish a home base somewhere and she's missed and she comes back and everyone is like, no, we're who we are because of you here. And like, we own you now. Like you, everybody wants to be belonged somewhere and, and owned by others, like in this way. And so I love that we spend time like with this moment of everyone reaffirming, like, no girl, like you belong to us. We're here. <laughs> like you're, you're one of us now For, and forever, no matter what. Uh, and it just it got really me. Is, it, Cause again, yeah, no, I'm getting a little choked up as you're describing it, but it's like, yeah, that's the thing, that's the weird magic of this movie, where again, it's like, it very much is like a the movie movie, yes. <laughs> where you're like, yes, we're playing so many of the hits, like, there's another basketball scene, which is just a fucking bang, again, it's if there are like three songs, it's fabulous, I don't dance, or if there were four songs, get your head in the game, I don't dance, fabulous, and now or uh, never. the opening song, yeah, now or never, I couldn't remember what it mm-hmm. was called. And it's amazing because it's like, yeah, again, we're doing the same beats, but somehow we're, like, understanding them now with, like, all these years of, like, time and space with these characters where it's like, yeah, we understand what all this was about now. Um, and I really like what they do with um, Sharpay. Like, oh, I like that purple art this. is she meets another her. And it's like, a bully never fully understands how much of a bully they are no. until they get met with another yeah. bully. And I do like that she has to learn, like, is this how I've been treating everyone? Right. First of all, like, can we talk about, like, yo, keep Sharpay out of the computer lab. Nothing good ever comes. Why is she allowed in there anymore? <laughs> I think after the first time. It's like, it's literally, I was describing to you, it's like the mean girls, like, the main um, plastic, like, printing out all the Don't burn pages. Don't give Sharpay a printer. A school for a week. Ooh. It's like... She's not allowed. Her, no. li- her library card does not work. No. You are banned. Like, there are pictures of her up in the library of, like, look her. out for this chick. If you see her using a computer, like, kick her off of it. You are required to call Yeah, security. tackle her to the ground. Keep this girl out of the computer lab. Because, <laughs> like, Stop. this is how nations fall, okay? When this girl gets a, a hold of a printer. Um, so that stood out to me, but like, <laughs> like, is this our best episode? It is. It's gotta be. <laughs> I gotta something. Up, so we're in two hours now. Like we, when we talk about this Sharpay, I don't even remember this girl's name, but like, why do, why, why did it become a stereotype that like British people are just like good at organizing? Is it Mary Poppins fault? Like, cause like Probably. all of our stereotypes Americans about Americans mistake articulate. Americans mistake being articulate for smart. We that's true, but it's like yeah, like I feel like there's there's like uh, this trope within like American cinema and, and art of of like uh, this female British like caretaker presence, <laughs> and 
And right. and then that's immediately yeah. what I thought of when this character comes up, and I'm like, oh yeah, of course she's already like, okay, th- why did we? We probably didn't need to make her British. That seems like the most random thing. She could have just been a new freaking student and not have been mm-hmm. British, but like it does nothing to do with the story at all that she's British. But um, it's her ending is so satisfying because it's like, look, Sharpay gets the double slap, okay. She's she she's surprised with like Zeke who comes up and does this weird like Hendrix um performance on stage with her. It's embarrassing. She gets like she she runs away in horror. Um her allergies are a mess, which obviously like relatable. Like and then mm-hmm. and then she gets the backhand when like this this bitch is sitting in her seat in her dressing room wearing the same costume. Like they 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 make it so like girl drama is so heightened. Like the end where she leaves her dressing room and she cuts the light off, like on her star that has the. I'm like, dang, like <laughs> they really got her here. But I am just so <laughs> glad because, like I said, I I've always felt like her punishments were a little too mean. But at least like watching this this time around, I'm like, you know what? Like Sharpay is always gonna be that bitch. Like I can't believe any of us forgot including her in this moment like for her to get this moment of like no 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 like i run these halls okay like this is my gig this is my show this is my department bitch and like for her to have that moment at the end is so chef's kiss yeah and like for me it's like the ending where we find out where they're all going to school and for me it's like I like how, like, real and human her sort of end result is. It's like her brother gets to go to Juilliard. She finally has to acknowledge that her brother really is a star, and he's been, she's been dampening his star. And she's going, like, she doesn't get into Juilliard. There's no, like, third person going. No. And, I like, she ends up going to another arts college, and it's like, I don't know. I, it's weirdly a human moment yeah. in this very heightened sort of story where it's like, Look, every theater star at every high school or middle school thinks they are, like, bound for Broadway. And unfortunately, that's not true. But that doesn't make you less valid. That doesn't Mm -hmm. make your art less worthy. Like, yeah, you're still going to be a star, just in a different way than you thought. And also, I'll, you know, and I'll pretend Sharpay's Fabulous Adventure doesn't exist, so I don't have to think about We're all pretending. that in any way, shape, or form. We're all pretending that doesn't exist. Um, you know, the the ending scene, as weird as it is, and, like, we can talk about how... <laughs> that's another note. Let me focus. The end where, like, they're all on, on, on stage talking about where they're going next year, that was always my least favorite part of, like, real high school, of the emphasis of, like... That if you're not going to a four-year college, it doesn't fucking matter what you do. Like, that mm-hmm. the only path forward in life that is worth a damn is that, like, you get into a four-year university and, like, you're following this very cookie-cutter path. Like, that is the road to success, and that's the only thing that exists. I at least... I mean, not really anymore, but we'll still pretend. When we were in high school, that was it. Like, that... Oh. Yeah. Not anymore. You want to laugh? Yes. <laughs> So we, they have those spring supplements for our yearbooks, and it lists where everyone's going to college, which does kind of underline the point you're mm-hmm. trying to make. Um, so originally, I was going to Bard College, which is up on the Hudson River. I got a lacrosse scholarship. I was going to go there for film and whatever. Um, then I get into NYU off the wait list, and I decide I can't turn down the chance to go to NYU. Yeah. No one bothered to correct that in the yearbook. Oh. So as far as anyone who just gets that yearbook is concerned, Carter Glace 
went to Bard College. That is hilarious. That is... I mean, I still have the hoodie. That's like the time... That's almost like... Like, sides tangent. Um, when I went to Ryder, did I... T- I told you that I was accepted into their chemistry program. Really? Because they're on their online application, there's a drop-down menu where you pick your major, and dance and chemistry were right next to each other, and I accidentally selected chemistry, and they accepted me <laughs> into the chemistry program. And then when I was on the... You could have been a chemist. And then I was on the, the, the phone with, like, their, like, onboarding counselor or whatever, and she was like... Okay, so, like, let's talk about what science classes you're going to take. And I was like, bitch, I'm not taking any science classes. And then she was like, you have to. And I was like, no, the fuck, I don't have to take science classes. What are you talking about? And then she's like, you're a chemistry major. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, what What are you talking about? <laughs> like, it was, she's like, you, but then it got corrected, and I ended up getting a bigger scholarship when they corrected my major. So that one. Anywho. My point here was that in this final scene, I really like that when they highlight everybody and Mrs. Darbus is going down the line and she gets to Jason, who was like the gag, like airheaded guy. And she just says like, you did it. You're here. Like you made it. Like I, I wish, I wish someone had said that to me in high school. Yeah. Like I wish somebody had just like congratulated me on surviving that. Like, and (laughs) there needs to be more congratulations for people that just make it through. Like, that is just as valid. And I'm so glad that there's a moment of like, congratulations, Jason, like you did it. That actually reminds me of, there's the bit in, there's the bit at um, Now or Never, where one, I love how weirdly intricate the basketball sequences are, where it's like, they have scenes of guys going for dives and then calling timeouts before like, it's a jump ball yeah. or like someone taking a charge. And I just love this dramatic play of like Troy Bolton getting triple teamed as he's going up into the air, passing it, and you're like, oh, and then you realize the guy is literally right under the basket, and he just goes like, oh, Oop. right, he does just, like the dinkiest. This is the most inconsequential <laughs> layup for the game winner, literally on right. the block under the net. Just oh, I love that that you can tell that they actually made them practice basketball because it's like they didn't they didn't like. this is not cast with basketball players they cast dancers and taught them how to play basketball and trained them like to a degree to actually play a game of basketball like (laughs) it's so clear that that's what's going on here these are not real players like they've always just cast them as dancers first because you can teach a dancer how to do anything a good dancer you can teach them how to do anything so like i i love all of the basketball scenes for that detail (laughs) but yeah that that just something is so satisfying as him being like bing like at the end um, yeah, man, do you have any final thoughts about High School Musical 3 as we move on to sort of a quick discussion of the aftermath? Oh, man. I mean... I mean, I feel like we could talk about this for another two hours. Yeah. But, like, that could kill us. We could have done a High School Musical month. We could. I mean, we might end up doing that later. Next, that might be next year. Yeah, maybe we'll circle back to this. Well, first, I just, I do want to say... The year High School Musical came out might be one of the best years in DCOM history. High School Musical, Cowbells, Wendy Wu Homecoming Warrior, Read It and Weep, Cheetah Girls 2, and then Return to Halloween Town. Because, hey, no one's perfect. (laughs) What a lineup lineup. of, like, and again, that's nostalgia where it's like, oh, these are the ones we loved. But holy moly, what a collection. So that gets us to... What happened after? High School Musical, the movie, comes out in 2008. And I think, I don't know. For me, it is. This is when I really started to check out. This was like the last round of 
Disney Channel movies that I was really invested right. in. Like Minuteman, Camp Rock, uh, Hatching Pete, sort of that era, 2008 to 2009 is when they start to lose me. Same. And for me, it is like, why after High School Musical do they fail to capture the magic? And a part of it is, well, we just grew up. And like, Maybe. again, it's what yeah. we talked about last week when it's like, you know, it, it like w- the minute a kid's television network loses you is when they can't convince you that the next thing coming out is the most important thing you're ever going to experience. Right, right. But I also think it is like, as we go back to TV with all of this, it is like, are you familiar with the term flanderization? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so for those who don't know, it's based off Ned Flanders, and it's the idea of, like, when you write something for TV originally, you're writing based on what you think will be good. And then as you keep going with a show, you write more on what people react to the strongest. The best example is probably Kevin Malone from The Office, where it's like, yes, he is always kind of dense, and he's always kind of chubby. But, like, there were other aspects to him. He was weirdly good at certain sports. Mm -hmm. He was, like, actually good at math when he wanted to apply himself. Like, he's a good gambler. But as the show goes on and people laugh at the big, fat, funny guy, they just make him dumber and dumber and dumber to the point where he doesn't know how to eat broccoli correctly in the last season. And you're like, this is a mirror. Yeah. And I realize so much of them trying to capture the high school musical lightning again is them just getting this more and more like distilled version right. of what it was plugging in different elements because, into the formula right it, it really underlines like after this there is every year there is a musical yeah run. so after high school musical 2 camp rock in 2008 um none none in 2009 but hatching pete had a song i think mm. 2010 camp rock 2 then we get lemonade mouth um and then we get radio rebel and then oh we God. get, yeah, I'm um, out. in 2015, this is where it all clicks for me, where it's like, oh, Descendants. Right. Descendants was them so clearly trying to make the High School Musical lightning strike. It's got the same director. Where it's like, yeah, they got Kenny, they got our boy Kenny back. Right. And it's like a big show-stopping musical again with Disney properties, like Disney IP. Yeah. Of course, this will be great. And I, I did something I said I would never do. I said I was going to watch it. And I just was like, <laughs> this is so, like, it's so charm. Like, how is this so charmless compared to High School Musical? Yeah. And it's like, because you're trying to make High School Musical again. Right. But you made High School Musical again not knowing what High School Musical right, was. Right, exactly. And so much of what, like, was charming about DCOMs was, like, you know, one, the diversity of, like, they it's whatever crazy high concept you could think of, whatever crazy, you know, whatever you could afford in the budget. They were, like, scraggly, but they had hardened sincerity, and they had that, like, sort of sitcom energy. Now they feel like they're just trying to be, like, high school musical. Right. They just feel like they're, and more specifically, high school musical, but, like, caught in between the movie and the actual TV stuff. Right. Because it's, like, I can't deny that... Descendants looks expensive. True. But it looks expensive in a cheap way. Yeah. Whereas, like, the original High School Musicals were cheap, but in an expensive way. That's interesting. If that makes sense. That's interesting, yeah. I, um... It's... You know, I feel like you kind of hit it on the head. I don't have too many extra thoughts, but... I feel like I've sort of dismissed my own cynicism about this sort of thing. Um, because I've just assumed that... My disdain for it was just because I'm too old. (laughs) 
But I actually do think I mean, value has just gone down. Like, the production value just went down. I think Camp Rock may have been the last super good iteration of the musical. And it's and I'm not saying that it's super good. I feel like it's sort of like yeah. that and whatever and how they Largely chose to close out Cheetah Girls are are the last of like the quality musicals to come from Disney Channel. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, as you look over the list, there's less and less that come out every single year. Mm -hmm. Like, like they went from having, like, four or five a year to, like, now, like, we're only getting one this year. We got two last year. We got three in 2021. It's, like, two, two, three at most. And so many of them are, like, it's Descendants and Zombies primarily for the last couple years. zombies. Zombies being... Zombies is like the worst example of characters learning the same lesson over and over again because it's like we need to learn to tolerate zombies who are color coded green, and then it's like we need to learn to tolerate werewolves who are coded pink for some reason. Then we have <laughs> to learn to be nice to fucking aliens. How did that? Yeah. Vampires first. Right. Frankenstein's. I feel like there's a couple creatures from the Black Lagoons. Why? I feel like we're jumping to aliens. Here. Like, why are monsters like having a moment right now? What, what is that? I feel like monsters are always quietly having a moment. Yeah, but, but there's like, like the Monster High dolls and like the... And then I feel like since like Monster High, like now we're getting more like, what about these kinds of monsters? What about these kinds of monsters? Um, That's a good question. I mean, I think a part of it is just like like the Universal Monsters, even though Universal obviously has a very specific like this, we are allowed to have Frankenstein who looks like yeah. this. We're allowed to have this that looks like that. Like... They're kind of copyright free enough that you can oh, kind of do them. That's true. So it's like, yeah, like because the you you can't own the broad archetype of vampire. Right. You can't own like these broad archetypes. So it's like you know, it's an easy thing to pull from that people instantly identify. So there's always like something. That's but, true. Yeah, I guess like, and I think one of the biggest things is just like as Disney Plus has come out, it's like what we talked about, not knowing the scope for these things. It's mm. like what is big for T, you know. It should be TV plus, but in the age of streaming, what does that mean? Because streaming is like movie minus now. Yeah. That I know we're getting like caught in the weeds of technical right. terms, but it like it really feels like, especially because High School Musical, you know, it's the problem with a lot of studios. You're like, well, we keep having to escalate. We keep having the curve. The line can't just go up or stays flat. It has to exponentially grow. Mm-hmm. And as these things get gussier and more shiny, they just lose their charm because it's like yeah. I don't know. It's just trying too hard. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. Do you have any wrap-up thoughts as we close out this little era <sighs> of Disney Channel? You know, this this whole month has been so much fun. Um, and I'm honestly glad that we, we chose to return to this thing that was so dear to me and such a huge part of my life. I feel like in so many ways it's a, it's a, it's a return to, like, uh, myself in so many ways of, like... And parts of myself that I forgot about. Um, so this, you know, for purely selfish reasons, like if, if for for absolutely no one else, this is just for me. <laughs> us, us having this conversation, yeah, us doing this. Well, I think it's what we talked about with our thousand views. It's like we would have ended up doing some version of this as an excuse to just like talk to each other and actually like really be like, no, but what did you actually think about? Yeah. Like get our takes in a more coherent place than just like typing them out on Facebook or occasionally doing a voice memo. And 
that this is this entire month has been the best example of that where it's like oh we are literally just talking about our childhoods mm-hmm. and me discovering like how much of this i really retain yeah. which is kind of nice because like i look back and i am kind of like god you were such a dude bro mm. like why were you like that and it's nice to know it's like well not really yeah you still like you had your mom like you know you 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 let this stuff affect you in a positive way even if you didn't realize right. it and until we go to our whatever year high school reunion that is absolutely not happening, no. I'm Carter. And I'm Sydney. And we are all in this together. We are all in this together. The Disney Desk is brought to you by Carter and Sydney. Follow us on Twitter at Disney Desk for the latest updates about the show. Want more of the most magical podcast on earth? The Disney Desk is now on Patreon. For exclusive weekly bonus content from us, go to patreon.com slash Disney Desk and become a patron for as little as $3 a month. Thank you.